This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along this morning with John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 and we're not going to say that our summer is over uh, quite yet. Hopefully the sunshine will come back but definitely a noticeable change and I'm looking out at the windows here at the studio and it has already started to uh, rain Um, and that's in sharp contrast to all of the newspapers today because there's photos in all of the papers of our obsession to get out and sunbathe when the sun arrives and the news that Ireland we recorded our hottest temperature in more than a century yesterday. Parts of Dublin reached a sweltering 33.1 degree and that was at half past three yesterday afternoon. It was recorded at the weather station in Dublin's uh, Phoenix Park. It was just shy of the highest temperature ever recorded in Ireland and that's the one that we've been speaking about last week where we thought it might get broken. It was a a temperature that was recorded in Kilkenny Castle back in 1887 when it went to 33.3. So 33.1 was the record set uh, yesterday met Aaron though a warning that the spell of recent fine weather breaking today with these and we can expect some thundery downpours to hit parts of the country even though I think they're expecting more of the thundery downpours in the east and north of the country because their temperatures are remaining quite high today uh, and up into this afternoon so usually when you get that kind of very very hot weather that's when the thunder will start so I'm, I'm, we might get away without thunderstorms certainly down here in the south and while the hot weather will continue uh, today in the eastern half of the country it's the temperatures here that are going to be somewhat less. Now the Road Safety Authority they're already issuing a warning warning though to road users to exercise caution today because of the possibility of these scattered outbreaks of heavy uh, rain and uh, showers urging motorists slow down be aware of the dangers of aquaplaning, especially on roads where the speed limits are 100k or if you're on the motorway of 120 uh, kilometres. Now, Darren tell us temperatures will return to normal tomorrow for all parts for this time of year, 16 to 20 degrees. And Thursday morning, patchy outbreaks of rain and drizzle temperatures for Thursday uh, down even lower, 15 to 19 degrees. So normal services has already resumed and while there will be a lot of people thankful for the rain and the gardens certainly will be thankful for the rain 
Irish Water are out and they're warning that there are currently four areas here in Cork at risk of drought. Clonakilty, Roberts Cove, Whitechurch and Copbeam. Uh, Irish Water said that it's also closely monitoring a number of other water schemes here in Cork. Since the middle of last week, Irish Water has seen a noticeable increase in water usage, particularly in seaside resorts and agricultural areas, with demand likely to remain high throughout the rest of this month and right throughout the month of August. Measures being implemented by Irish Water in the at-risk areas include tankering in water and our nighttime restrictions to protect supplies and to ensure that the water keeps flowing to homes and to businesses. And obviously Irish Water asking everyone to please conserve water in an effort to avoid the need for restrictions later in the summer, uh, suggesting things like avoiding power washing, avoid hosing the gardens. Well, with the rain today, you won't need to hose the gardens. Checking for leaks on outdoor taps or troughs, reusing water in uh, paddling pools and reusing water wherever it is possible. And members of the public are being asked to look out for visible leaks in the public water network are low water pressure in their own homes because low water pressure in your own home can indicate a leak. Leaks, they tell us them, can be reported to Irish Water by contacting them on 1800 278 278 or you can go online to report a leak if you come across a leak on a public water network to www.water.ie even there wasn't a Joe was on yesterday talking about that leak outside of Liscarroll that he reckoned had been there for between six and nine months and I know John Paul was getting on to Irish Water about it so I'll check in with him to see did we hear anything back 0818 the, our lines are open. You can text or you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And actually already some texts in. Anybody offer advice to this North Cork listener to say, Hi Patricia, we've been allocated a council house last week. Well done to you. Congratulations. But there is a but on this. We still haven't got the keys. And our circumstances where we're currently living are very, very serious. Why does it take so long to give the keys? It seems ridiculous, Patricia. If the house is allocated, then surely we should get the keys, says a North Cork listener. That's not making any sense to me as well. If they've allocated a house, it means it's ready. You've been assessed as this is the house for you. So you would you would assume on the day that you get the allocation, I would have assumed you get the keys on the same day. Anybody know why there's a delay between notification that you've been allocated to council house and actually getting the keys? And does anybody know how long does that period of time take? If you can help, uh, please let us know. Or if there's anything that you know that this particular listening listener can do to speed up the process so that they can get their keys can you can you get the information to us, please? 0818 103 103. And Patricia, you've been talking on and off about the cost of living. God, we've been talking about the cost of living now. It almost feels since the start of the year, but sim- certainly since the war in Ukraine, because a lot of the reasons for the cost of living has been pointed to the Russian invasion of Ukraine for, for part of the reasons for our cost of living going so high. But this listener is ta- is has a telephone contract with air and says air have put up their bills by a fiver i always thought says this listener that the contract can not be changed in the middle of a contract yeah and if you want to get out of the contract if you decide that you can get your phone service cheaper somewhere else 
you'll be penalised and fined, or not fined is probably the wrong word, but you'll have to buy out of your contract. It does seem unfair that if you sign a contract, that surely for the duration of that contract, everything should remain in place. But that is not always the way it happens because certainly the utility companies, we have contracts with them. Phone companies, we've contracts with them. TV providers, it's the very same thing. And because they have a cost of living increase and, you know, they need to put up their prices, they can put them up whenever they want to. I agree. I think once you sign a contract, then no, no, nothing should change until the end of that contract and then fine if they want to increase. But certainly that's not the way it happens. And it does seem a little bit on the mean side for sure. Getting reports in. Thank you for for a listener to say thunder and heavy rain in y'all. And it's been like that for the past hour. Oh, my goodness. Uh, certainly where, where I am, there's rain, but we haven't had uh, any thunder as of yet. So we could, because Met Aaron were predicting that a lot of the thunder activity and the thundery downpours a lot, uh, they were predicting that it, they would be in the east because up around Dublin, the temperatures today up around 28 degrees this afternoon. We're certainly not going to be as hot as that today. But uh, thundery downpours in yours. So just as, as I mentioned, earlier just be careful because the road safety authority have already been out saying people need to be very very careful because of the thundery downpours and the roads have been so dry and you can aquaplane very very quickly if you're going at very high speeds so the advice is if you need to drive today to please please uh, slow it uh, down and just on the listener who is waiting to be allocated a house Uh, got the notification from the council that they'd get a house, happy days and all of that, uh, but still no keys. And it's nearly a week ago and was wondering why, you know, if you get allocated a house, why you don't get the keys straight away. Somebody says it can take two to three weeks. Oh, before you get the keys. I don't know if that can be speeded up because the listener is saying that they're in quite a serious situation where they are living. Maybe make, make contact with the council to say, you know, we need to get out of where we are and is there any possibility that they can speed up the handing over the keys because the house must be ready if you have been allocated. Thank you to that listener who texted that information into 086 103. Now, while it appears we're at the end of the heat wave and the weather has uh, broken, it's very possible that the warm weather will come back again. But here's a cautionary tale of what can go wrong in hot weather from Martina. Uh, good morning to you, Martina. Good morning. Uh, I'm, I'm very well and I know you're in a household where you're, you're absolutely heartbroken with what happened this week. This was on... Was on Sunday. On Sunday. Yeah. Tell us what happened. It's your, your, your dog, Millie. Um, no, we have a routine, uh, Patricia. Um, you can hear me? I can, yeah, but we, we have a huge problem with your phone line. Yeah, but keep we going. Have, we have bad reception, all right. In okay, here. you're okay. Keep going. Yeah, we have a routine. Like when we get up, um, we feed the one dog we have, and then we have a beautiful little kitten. I'll talk to them. I'll talk to you about that later. But uh, she was a border collie, and she originally came from the Bandon area, and she was only five years of age. So great at the cattle. Um, she was given as a gift to our younger son from his his sisters and brothers um, five years ago on his leaving cert. He was he was starting into the farming course in Clonakilty. So yeah, she was she was a lovely, gentle dog. Loved the company. Great cattle dog. Very very intelligent. Um, would understand any. 
Uh, no, I'm not going to be able to use that phone line, John Paul, unfortunately. And there isn't, there's nothing else we can do. Okay, I can I can fill you in on the story because it really is uh, heartbreaking. As uh, Martina was outlining, uh, Millish, they fed her on uh, Sunday morning and gave her water and everything. And unfortunately, when they went back out to check the dog on Sunday afternoon, um, she had passed away. Uh, heat stroke. Uh, yeah, it was. And I could hear it in her voice. I'd say she was going to she was um, very upset because it's a much, much loved dog. And Martina was had said to Martine to John Paul that while she had heard us so many times on the programme speaking with Jane Pickett, our resident vet, and warning people and warning people to be careful of their dogs, particularly in the warm weather. She was very aware of it and they now realise they didn't leave enough water out. There obviously wasn't enough shade available and the family are absolutely devastated with the loss of a, their much-loved dog. So if this fine weather, please God, will return, you need to be so careful about your animals and dogs in particular and I can imagine a beautiful border collie will be a dog with a lot of fur on it and obviously can overheat and of course dogs only sweat and cats are the same it's by panting uh, are through their paws they don't sweat through their skin like uh, we do and they, they the advice from um, Vets, as always, is if you come across your dog and you think your dog is affected by a heat stroke, you don't suddenly plunge them into water or, you know, throw a bucket of water over them, over them because that can actually lead to shock. You have to cool them down. Cold bath towel, you know, a wet bath towel is one way of suggesting it. Spraying water on them, I believe, is another way. And obviously get to a vet as, as soon as you can. And there's lots of signs of heat stroke. A dog can collapse, a dog can have seizures, start vomiting vomiting, their eyes go very glassy, they can get very weak, heavy panting and then obviously they can go unconscious and that's what happened to poor Martina and their family dog Millie who sadly passed away on Sunday. Now Martina mentioned that they also have kittens at the moment and what they're trying to do is they're trying to find homes, they have a litter of uh, kittens and they can't find homes for the kittens uh, because they're saying that Many people have dogs at the moment and obviously you've got dogs. Now, if you, you can raise dogs and cats together and they, are, they very often live very happily. But if a dog isn't used to having a cat around the house, it might be a bit more difficult. But they're looking for homes for the kittens and, and we do have Martina's contact details. It's just shocking, shocking phone line. There was nothing we could do with that at all. Um, but our sympathies to to um, Martina because there's nothing worse than losing a much loved pet it really is it's a, it is a bereavement in the family 0818103103 our lines are open Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie now once school ends for summer many families immediately start to prepare for back to school in September be it's spreading the cost over the summer months or simply just trying to see if their child can get a ticket for the school bus. So will we once again this year have some families left disappointed because their children failed to secure one of the concession receipts, as they're called, on the local school bus labour? Uh, Dáil Deputy Sean Sherlock joins me on this issue. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Now, uh, now, firstly, wavering the school bus fee this year that was announced by Norma Foley before the Dáil recess, that has to be welcomed for, the, for many, many hard-pressed families. 
Absolutely. And I think uh, on first read of that, Patricia, you'd have to say that that scheme is to be welcomed. There's no doubt about it, but it has unintended consequences. Uh, so when the minister announced the scheme, if you were living outside of the 4.8 kilometres, which is the, the geographical rule of thumb, outside of 4.8 kilometres, you have eligibility for a place on a school bus. Uh, but there would have been, as you've referenced there, concessionary tickets granted in a lottery system where if there were spare places on that bus, uh, there would have been a lottery for those people inside the 4.8. Uh, and many parents now would have purchased their concessionary tickets uh, in the hope that there would be a place for their son or daughter uh, on that bus. However, where the announcement fails is in the lack of detail that follows the announcement because for instance i anticipate and we're seeing this already that where you have uh, students who were being driven to school heretofore when you announce a scheme that is free for all outside of the 4.8 all of a sudden people are going to shift their behaviors and parents are going to make a decision to say well why don't you just get on the bus instead of me driving you in uh, it's free uh, you know, it's, you know, it saves us a fortune. Uh, but if you don't have the additional places on that bus, because obviously demand is going to increase, but if you haven't sat down with the operators and said, well, we need you now to provide maybe two buses on a route or new and additional routes, uh, then, uh, you know, it leaves a lot of uncertainty. So the question as to whether or not there will actually be an increase in the number of buses uh, remains. And if the minister says that there will not be an increase in the number of buses operating, then obviously people who are number one eligible for the concessionary tickets, you know, will possibly lose their tickets. And number two, uh, the people who don't, uh, who are not forced to purchase their tickets, uh, where there's increased demand, could end up losing out as well if they are eligible and outside of the 4.8 kilometres or the 3.2 if it's a primary school uh, setting. So I, I think that there are still a lot of questions to be answered about what this new free school transport scheme means. It certainly means, we know this now, that it certainly means that there will be a lot of students who will be excluded. And I think that inevitably, if you're li living inside the 4.8, uh, or living inside the 3.2, if you have a primary school uh, student in your house, uh, you know, you, you probably sense that this is a, a bit unfair uh, because we still have to drive the kids to school. We still have to, you know, uh, pay for the petrol and diesel costs and anybody outside the 3.2 or the 4.8, you know, and understandably, you need a school transport system. Obviously, we'll get free travel. I think the best thing to do here would have been to broaden the 4.8 and the 3.2. If you had broadened out the 4.8 kilometre rule, expanded that outwards, bring everybody into the loop who needed a bus, but sat down with the operators first because you need a supply of drivers and you need a supply of buses. And that is particularly uh, challenging at the moment. And if you said, instead of introducing a free scheme, we let's introduce a nominal fee scheme 
you know, so that more people could avail of that, then I think you would have maybe created a fit for purpose system. And, and more families would have benefited. That 4.8 and the 3.2, is that a hard and fast rule? I'm thinking of somebody, if I'm, if my child is a secondary school pupil and is, say, 4.5 kilometres, is it hard and fast at 4.8? Yes, in my experience, but you may have exceptions to that. But because the school transport bus Aaron operates it on a, on a, a very tight set of rules, because uh, I suppose they have to, because the policy is handed down by the minister and the department. But there's there's a review going on at the moment around school transport, and we are used to these intermittent school transport scheme reviews. I would have hoped that in the context of the review that we could have looked at all of those uh, issues and we could have looked at a, creating a situation where you just would have had that modal shift, whether you were living, we'll say, take maybe uh, two kilometres, two kilometres up to maybe 10 kilometres or whatever from a school. You know, how many more students could we get onto buses? How could we sit down with the operators to say, you know, we want you to provide this service. We need those buses when the tourism season ends. We want them now back onto, you know, school transport, you know, in create incentives. But my understanding is that there was no uh, sit down with the, the operators around this free scheme either. So we're still waiting for further details to emerge. And already I have parents who are stressed about the fact that where uh, they had concessionary tickets and have paid this year for concessionary tickets they're now anxious about the fact that will they get they will they get the, the ticket i mean we've had ludicrous situations over the years of families where two uh, children in the house needed a concessionary bus pass one got the bus bus ticket and one didn't which meant mammy or daddy had to drive regardless because no point putting one on the bus and the other had to be taken to school anyway that's how ridiculous and how arbitrary this scheme is. It's not fit for purpose for the times that we live in. And that's why I was hopeful that the review would actually bring around, bring about hard questioning of those types of dynamics, because that's not uncommon at all. And like if, if the minister is now saying that she's going to provide free transport, but no additional buses, you know, th that's going to cause mayhem. Uh, come September. But just on the additional the bus, uh, just on the additional buses, there's a, an added worry. There's a huge shortage of bus drivers and bus drivers for school buses. And and I know we've had a couple of listeners contact us at, at, at this in order to drive the school buses. People at seventy. Uh, they have to stop work. We have a number of very fit, active, and healthy healthy seven year olds who seventy year olds who didn't want to give up the job but were forced to do it. And, and again, it, it, it's a surreal scenario where you make an arbitrary decision that if somebody reaches a certain milestone in terms of the number of years that they've been alive, that they can no longer uh, drive a bus, even though even though they might be as hale and hearty uh, as, as the day is long. So, again, that should have been folded into the review. Like, we either create a scenario or a system here where we have what I call universality. And when I say universality, I don't mean that it's free for everybody who wants it, but that you could have created a scheme that could have possibly at least washed its face by charging maybe a nominal fee for people where they're over a certain income threshold uh, because medical card holders will have free 
uh, transport anyway. Uh, you could have looked at the, the driver scenario, but you would have needed to sit down with the operators to actually get a real, we know it's very easy to count the number of buses in the country. And it's very easy working with the operators to, to assess uh, how they could roll out a new scheme. That would be very easy to do. Uh, because obviously when the tour ends, you know, there's a natural, uh, you know, uh, buses become operational for other reasons. And, you know, you could make an assessment of what your needs would be there in terms of making a fit for purpose scheme for all. But I think that if you look at it from a parent's point of view as well, there is that extra stress in an average morning of getting kids out to school. If you had a fit for purpose public transport school transport scheme you know where there's a nominal charge at least for that at least people you know will feel that they're getting value for their money uh, and it and sounds it like an element of fairness okay isn't there a review of the school transport scheme underway and when is that expected to be completed well that, and that's the point i'm making that there is a review underway i don't know when that is to end to, to give you a straight answer to that we haven't had any uh, you know, utterings from the department since the announcement over two weeks ago. Uh, you know, we don't know, for instance, uh, will the review bring about, uh, you know, a review of the contracts for operators? I feel very sorry for operators at the moment because, you know, you, you buy into a contract. Some leeway was given in the last couple of months in relation to meeting the cost of uh, fuel, as I understand it, but I'm open to correction on that. Uh, but that you do need to sit down with the operators. You need to flesh out what a new contract looks like. You need to flesh out what, uh, you know, the real-time costs are for operators. I feel sorry for operators, again, because you, you've increased insurance costs. Uh, you know, obviously your fuel costs are the big ticket item there as well. And margin has already been wiped out mm. for us. Mm. Uh, and then and then they've, they add, add on to. that they, they've got a shortage of uh, bus drivers. OK, and there's, there's, drivers there's a lot, well. a lot more to go on this between now and when children jump on the school bus in September. But just while I have you on the line, I was reading this morning in the Irish Independent, they've got one of these special investigations where they're talking about children are waiting up to four years for an autism assessment with thousands more uh, across the country losing out on valuable time going without the life-changing interventions that they need. And I saw you uh, raising the issue yesterday of the delay uh, for children and young adults assessing CAMS and both for the children assessing, trying to get assessments for autism and the children under CAMS, the HSC keep talking about that they have a recruitment crisis and that they can't get the workers that they need. You're kind of questioning that, Sean. I am indeed, Patricia, because there are only so many times when you're making representations on behalf of a family, when the answer comes back that says, well, it's, it, we can't get the staff, we can't get the staff. We, if you keep hearing that, then you start asking yourself the question, well, why can't you get the staff? And then they come back and say, like, there's a big recruitment issue here. Uh, you know, we're trying to recruit here, there and everywhere. Uh, there's a shortage of, of staff right across the country. I've started to question that more thoroughly because I'm being told that the two parliamentary question replies that the HSE last year spent 12 million euros. Now, 12 million euros doesn't sound like a whole pile, given the amount of, you know, the types of money that we're dealing with uh, nowadays. But spending 12 million euros on recruitment agencies for the purpose of recruiting occupational therapists, dietitians, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, and so on. 
what are we getting for the 12 million euros and where is that money going and why is it that we can't compete globally uh, for these roles and I, I just feel that as you said in, in your opening to this segment you know the longer a child goes without the proper assessments and the follow-on services you know the, the, the more problems you're storing up down the line and we see it we see it in our constituency offices as TDs you know the number of families who because if there's a service unavailable to a child it just has a massive impact on their development as you've said as well so I'm, I'm beginning to interrogate further the dynamic or the response and the HSE now in some of the parliamentary question responses will just say it as much it's like the shrug of the shoulders when we just can't get the staff and it's almost like tough and I, I, I'm beginning to push back on that a lot more and say, well, why can't you get the staff and why can't you recruit internationally? Why aren't you going out to the recruitment fairs internationally and competing uh, with other regions across the globe who are who who don't do not seem to have uh, the same, same problem, issues yeah. that we have? Br bring bring our work, workers home or stop the ones from leaving. Well, I, I was just going to say that if you look at the starting salaries now for certain grades of frontline workers, uh, in the HSE. I think we are going to have to bite the bullet and I think we're going to have the conversation now as to what is the cost of uh, you know, a fully professional occupational therapist in a global market? What is the cost of a midwife? What is the cost of a, you know, a, a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist? And if we have to create terms and conditions of employment that allows us to compete with Australia, with Singapore, uh, you know, with uh, Abu Dhabi and places like this, which is where they all seem to be going to places like that. And I understand that people have to travel when they, you know, get their qualifications. That's part and parcel of life. You know, that's totally understandable and it should be encouraged. But we need to get those people home. And the only way we're going to get them home is if they have if the quality of life issues are are tackled. And that is housing, obviously, costs of rent in places like Dublin and throughout the country, for that matter, and also ensuring that starting grades and starting salaries are Okay. And competitive. Okay. And, and, and okay. I, I have I have to leave there. And just finally, 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 before we go, can I congratulate you on your little Thank bundle you. of joy, uh, Molly, uh, Molly that arrived last week. Thank you so much, Patricia. We it was. Um, oh yeah, we're absolutely delighted. I'm um, I'm I'm kind of cut for words, but a little girl now for. After the two little, after the two little boys, yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. we're we're delighted, and I just want to thank everybody for their lovely, kind, and genuine good wishes, and um, so we're just delighted. And thank God, and mo and mother and baby doing well. Moran and baby doing well. Brilliant. Thank God, and um, just a special thank you as well to all the staff in in, in CUMH because they're absolutely amazing people, amazing people. Well, so congrats. thank you to your listeners. Co for well, good wishes. well, thank congrats you. all thank round. You. Listen, thanks for that, uh, Sean. And we'll thanks, speak Patricia. again. We'll let you get back to baby duties. Uh, thank you for that. That is Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's consent. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie win, 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 win. There's a new way to wake up and win on Cork's More Music Breakfast. Ken's Smart Speaker Giveaway on C103. Identify the smart song of the day, text or WhatsApp the answer and you could win a cool new smart speaker. Smart speaker. 
Listen weekdays from 6am to win. And we've got one to give away every day. Ken's Smart Speaker Giveaway. Only on C103. Environment Minister Eamon Ryan is adamant that stricter carbon emission targets requiring a reduction in the national herd will be introduced. However, the Green Party leader has stressed that farmers will be provided with alternative income streams and will be financially rewarded for adopting practices that reduce greenhouse gases. To get the reaction from the farming community, I'm joined by Brendan Golden. Now, Brendan Golden is the chairman of the IFA National Livestock Committee. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning and good morning to your listeners. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, the agricultural sector needs to cut carbon emissions somewhere between 22 and 30 percent. Eamon Ryan favours the 30 percent. I'm assuming you want the lower figure of 22 percent. Yes, we do. And um, I'm quite annoyed at Eamon Ryan the coming out um, there at the weekend on national radio and talking about cutting the national herd and everything. And it's it was a completely different view to the signals we were getting from from government up to now um, around, you know, um, needing to have a stable herd. Um, the Across every sector, the whole um, emissions um, targets are very challenging for, for every sector. And the targets for 2030 are not going to be easily achieved by anybody. But we would contend that, you know, we are primarily producing um, food for an ever-growing population and that is very important so we do need to have a realistic target set for us that gives us a chance to make best use of the science and the information that we're getting both from Chagask and from ICBF on the breeding side and um, we've been following um, European policy up to now and all of a sudden because of the whole climate issue we they deem we need to take a different path and we're on board with that but you can't just change systems overnight and there is huge um gains to be made on our breeding side and on the way we use our our land and you know we've we also recognize that younger age of slaughter on the beef side could be helped to us as well so we're willing to take on all this but um you know i've heard it said during the week if you if you give sectors um, targets that are totally unreachable in the short term, um, like it doesn't make any sense. And I, I can't understand why, why there's such discussion around agriculture because this is going to be challenging for every sector. Yeah, right? but and, uh, and you're so right, uh, you're right. And every sector has been set, you know, the building industry, um, the transport, everyone's been set targets, but all the focus seems to be on uh, on agriculture. Would it 20, if, if you did go with the 22% cut, which I'm assuming would be even hard in itself to achieve, would that mean a reduction in animal numbers? No, on, on, on a good day, if if we if we can implement all the measures that's been proposed and um if the if the science around breeding and everything gets a chance to work um we have a potential there to reach 22 and we could even do a lot better we don't we don't know for sure but okay and i saw the agriculture minister uh charlie mcconnell i mean he's warning that anything more than a 22 percent cut would put significant pressure on farmers and he made the point farmers that are already struggling with higher costs and other difficulties 
It will, because even came PMG report that we have seen has said that you know a 21% cut um, would lead to a 5% reduction in dairy and 6% reduction on the beef herd. But if you go to 30%, it's an 18% reduction and a 22% reduction. Now, we would contend on the beef side that since 2018, the suckler herd has contracted by 12%, and that's leading to a 20% reduction already in beef output from, from the beef sector. But there's another key element in this here too, that you know if we don't produce it in this country, um, someone else is going to take up the slack and we lose our, we lose our industry here. And in rural Ireland, um, and in a lot of parishes and villages around the country, there's a lot of people depending on it. There, you have your, your, your rural towns, there's um, agri stores, you have the co-ops, you have marts, there's there's processing plants, there's a huge amount of people employed across the across the industry. So it would have a really negative effect on us. And like we've been highlighting all the time the worries around carbon leakage. Like we're we're one of the, the better producers emissions wise um in the world on our dairy and our beef. And it makes no sense for us to start producing and let somebody else produce it instead of us. Yeah, OK. So, and I know Eamon Ryan said that if agriculture doesn't accept the greenhouse uh, targets, he's then saying other sectors will have, have to do it. Do you think other sectors should and can do more? Well, you see, you know, this is the discussion that, that I find it hard to understand. He's saying if we don't, if we don't reach our targets, someone else will have to carry it. But... If transport doesn't reach theirs, who's going to carry that? And if energy doesn't reach their target, how come they're not being asked these questions? Like, it's a bit unfair at the start of it all that there's such a focus on us. We're we're willing to play our part. We we realise the the need um, to to get on board on this whole climate thing. We've seen, we're seeing the effects of it and looking at the effects of it around the world at the moment. But um, there's huge benefits to livestock, grazing, um, pasture and converting a source of protein that's not available to humans into a source that is. And I, there's data out there as well that says, you know, if you if you stop grazing a lot of pasture and leave it there, that it could actually be emitting more. So there's huge benefits to livestock as well there. And as I said, rural Ireland really is dependent on the suckler cow and on all our farming systems. And there's another, you know, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place because it's going to raise the costs of food production and we're hearing that you know the consumer can't afford to pay any more and and we see the pressures consumers are under because we're feeling it as farmers too where energy costs and everything are gone up but that's the problem for us whether you're a beef farmer or a vegetable grower or, or even a tillage farmer or even dairy at times the we're stuck in the rut and we can't get any more back from the marketplace and it's not our fault we're just stuck in this system and our supports were being let down by the eu on our supports on for producing food it used to be it used to be there to support us to to produce quality safe food and that's been eroded with inflation and everything else as well so you know government are going to have to step up um in this whole process and support farmers to produce food in a in a greener, um, lower carbon um, situation. And there could be huge opportunities for, for us here too to add and build on to our 
our brands are origin green and that's in our international markets and say you know we're producing it from from a really one of the best um carbon footprints in the world there okay. could be opportunities there but okay we, we and have I, to get I, more back from the market or somebody is going to have to pay us to do it because okay. Okay, and, and I know that Eamon Ryan is meeting with the Agriculture Minister. They're expected to meet tomorrow and then uh, the matter goes to Cabinet on the 27th of July when, when I'm assuming we will expect uh, to hear exactly how much the farming community are uh, expected to, to do with will it be the 22 or will it be the 30%. Okay, listen, Brendan, I'm over on time. I'm going to have to leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks okay, for joining thanks us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Brendan Golden, who is Chairman of the IA. FA National Livestock Committee on what I think is going to be a ferocious row because certainly the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McCongle, seems to be on the side of the farming uh, community. And reading through the papers as well, all of the rural based uh, TDs and a lot of the support for the government is in rural Ireland. Uh, And certainly people in rural areas say that anything more than a 22% cut would force many farmers out of business or just not make their farms viable and there could a core vote could be lost for many of the main parties. 0818103103. John Paul, taking your calls, you can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of commentary coming in, but before I get to a lot of commentary, it isn't often that I get to announce something and give a shout out for something that my daughter Marcia is involved with. But I've been asked to mention this and I'm only too uh, delighted and proud to say that my little one is involved in this. And this, um, as people will know who regularly listen to this programme, Marcia attends day services at St. Joseph's Foundation and she goes to the Gilbert Centre in Mallow. And the team at the Gilbert Centre in Mallow, including my daughter Marcia, are tomorrow Wednesday launching a song called Keep On Moving. And they're launching it at the Mallow Gate Cinema tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. Actually, there's a limited number of free tickets available if anybody's in the Mallow area and would like to go to the Gate Cinema. You can pick up free tickets. As I say, limited number of tickets available. But if you can pop into the Gate Cinema in Mallow to get your free admission ticket. Failing that, the song will be available on St. Joseph's Foundation YouTube uh, account from 11.15 tomorrow following the official launch at the Mallow Gate Cinema. And it was Creative Ireland who has produced the song from the gang at the Gilbert Centre in Mallow via Cork County Council funding and all of the musicians and artists taking part are all from the Cork area. So can I wish the best of luck to everyone involved at the Gilbert Centre hub of St. Joseph's Foundation as they launch their song Keep On Moving tomorrow morning and as I say if you go to St. Joseph's Foundation YouTube account tomorrow after quarter past 11 you will be able to uh, see it I'm going to have to wait until I come off air tomorrow at 1 in order to log on to see it myself 0818 103 103 on the weather and the bit of the change in the weather and all of that uh, this by WhatsApp says Patricia would you ever tell the callers and texters to stop complaining about the weather we've had great weather of late and it's great to see a bit of rain we need 
need it. There's a lot of selfish people out there. In fairness, there's a lot of people who were welcoming of the rain this morning as well, but people enjoyed the bit of fine weather. But then other people thought it was too hot and all of that. And we're never really happy when it comes to weather. And then Jim in Clonakilty was on about the whole heat wave we've been having and climate change and all of that. And Jim says he remembers when he was younger old farm buildings were always built down in valleys and he reckons it's only in probably the last 60 years that we started to build houses on elevated sites and of course the majority of these houses were built so that people sitting in the houses or out in the gardens would have wonderful views if it's overlooking the sea or the mountains or whatever it is people plump people want to have elevated sites rather than being down in valleys and Jim wonders why did the older generation why did they build their houses in valleys were they aware of something we weren't aware of was it to do with storms was it to do with keeping when hot weather arrived they'd be cooler if they were down in the valley and then he says we've been hearing that yesterday in Dublin they broke a record for the highest record for this century when Phoenix Park recorded 33.1% but they were saying it hadn't bet the highest record ever recorded in Ireland which was the 33.3 which was observed at Kilkenny Castle in 1887 now Jim is wondering about that particular 33.3 in Kilkenny Castle and wonders when that record was set was it a heat wave because remember for a heat wave they have to have five continuous days over 25 degrees that's why what we've had across the last few days isn't being classed by Met Aaron as a heat wave it's just a, a brief period of warm weather is what they are classing it as as a little bit different to Europe where they are having a heat wave they've gone well over the five days but Jim is wondering uh, and I, I don't know the answer to this but he's wondering th- there has to be if there's records that a temperature was set of 33.3 in Kilkenny in 1887 he's wondering how long did that heat wave last did it go on for that entire summer was it only for one day like what happened in the Phoenix Park yesterday in Dublin I don't have the answer but maybe somebody out there who's into meteorology will know it's got to be in the history books as well a history buff who knows more about when heat waves are set and temperatures are set might be able to point us in the right direction I'll see if I can do a bit of research later on Jim and see if I can find out more about that that actual hottest day in Ireland in 1887 how long did that period of heat last because I know what you're what you're what you're trying to intimate and what you're trying to suggest is they wouldn't have been talking about climate change in 1887 they wouldn't have had the problems that's causing climate change in 1887 so what caused those high temperatures back then thank you for your call Jim to 0818103103 and then a number of people commenting on my interview with Brendan Golden in the last hour and talking about the farming community and they're going to have to cut agricultural emissions between 22% and 30%. Farming communities say 22% is realistic. They can do that. They don't feel that they can do 30%. And even if they were to go to the 30%, which is what the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan wants and is adamant that farmers must deliver the higher end of the target. Eamon Ryan at the weekend said in order to do that 30% he accepts that there has to be a cut in the national herd. As you heard of Brendan Golden of the IFA, that announcement did not go down well. Uh, Joe says, uh, what are the farmers getting from Europe? I feel they're always complaining. They always seem to be whining. And then Joe ended his phone call saying, by the way, I'm all for farmers. (laughs) 
but yet in the next breath he's saying that they're always whining and they're always giving out then someone else says yes or no please question to Mr IFA that was Brendan Golden he's not on the line uh, anymore does Brendan Golden and the IFA and other farmers do they believe in climate change do they believe in global warming Um, then another texter says Eamon Ryan is in no position to tell farmers to reduce their herd size unless he takes a wage cut as well can't expect people to take an income decrease if he's not willing to take a cut as well in fairness though Eamon Ryan at the weekend was coming out with all these he's you know because obviously he's he said that if the farmers were to take a cut uh, he knows he accepts that their income would would come down I have some research here that I did on what he was suggesting here it is he had suggested other ways that farmers, if they were forced to take a cut in their herd size, he gave three ways in which he reckoned farmers could change their farming habits and at the same time generate income. One was to switch to anaerobic type digestion, whereby you use grass and other waste materials and we create our own biomethane gas. And he says that would be important at the moment. We wouldn't have to import from Russia our other gases. That was one income source he suggested another was that we give we give a price to farmers for what what's called carbon farming farming does anybody know what that is and it's to pay farmers for storing carbon in their soils and then his third form of income stream was he suggested a new form of forestation he said a new form of native woodlands that farmers are involved in planting which would give them the carbon credits that they could cash in and also a fuel supply into the farm uh, into the future they were some of the suggestions from uh, Eamon Ryan as to what farmers could do to boost their income thank you for your texts this is from John in Jemina says hi Patricia listening to your contributor representing the farming sector due to what Eamon Ryan has come out with and said about the cutting of the national herd due to the methane gas that the national herd are producing I think the people need to call a stop to this as we're constantly being dictated to by the green party about what we can burn we can't burn coal, turf timber etc. The one thing that everybody is overlooking is the likes of our Taoiseach can get to Japan without anybody preaching to them about the pollution they are causing by flying on these jets to far flung countries. I believe Eamon Ryan needs to leave the farming community alone and furthermore farm animals let them practice what they preach and lead by example then maybe the farmers and the people of Ireland might do what the government and Eamon Ryan is saying. Best wishes Patricia and that's from John in Jemina. And listening to Brendan Golden of the IFA, they are willing to make the changes. I mean he is he's, he's not saying that they're not accepting that they're not accepting that climate change is happening and that emissions have to be reduced but he said there's another way of doing it and they feel that it's workable it'll be a challenge for farmers but they feel it's workable to cut emissions by 22% but he doesn't believe and the farming community doesn't believe that the 30% is achievable and then I saw I think it was on the front page of the examiner today and this really is going to pit rural against urban with with a story saying that families could be forced to abandon their second car if the higher level carbon emission targets for the agriculture sector can't be agreed. A reduction in the number of cars on roads is among the options that would be considered 
if the 30% reduction in carbon emissions from the agriculture sector is not met. And this is according to senior government figures. The government have previously confirmed that the agriculture has to go somewhere between 22 and 30%. Eamon Ryan is adamant that the farmers should deliver the higher end of that. Government sources and leading environmentalists have said if the reduction in ag- agriculture is on the lower end, i.e. the 22%, then other sectors such as transport and energy will have to reduce emissions by a greater degree because, of course, we have a target in this country of 51% uh, target that must be set by 2030. And it has been suggested, senior government sources have told the Irish Examiner that limiting the overall number of vehicles on roads and what they would do is look at second family car that would all be in the mix if the higher targets are not reached now when I read that story this morning I just thought my god you really are trying to pit rural against urban if you come out and say that well because the farmers aren't willing to do what we ask them to do on carbon emissions therefore anyone that has two cars you're going to have to get rid of one of them that would cause absolute and utter consternation because there are families that have uh, two cars and they've two cars out of necessity. If you've got two people going to work, going, say, in different directions or one person going to work and one person has to be has to drop the children to school or has other things that needs to be done and has to drive in a car. It is impossible to look at, at a two car family and say you have to give up one of those cars. But to say to people you have to give up one of those cars because the farming community isn't willing to meet their reduction on carbon emissions would just pit one group against the other. And I really do think that is really, really unfair to even come out with mentioning that at this at this time. 0818103103. Just on a couple of other things. John says, hi, Patricia, I went for a cup of coffee in my local coffee shop to my surprise. My cup of coffee has gone from a ridiculous €3.60 to €3.95. This is a disgrace. I will not visit there again. People are being robbed, says John. In fairness to I, the little, co- I don't know where your coffee shop is, but you're, to the coffee shop, all everything that they are buying in has gone up in price. Their electricity costs have gone up in price. I don't know if their staff costs have gone up. Their insurance has gone up. In order to stay in business, people, I, I mean, I hand on heart, is the price gorging going on? Absolutely. But I think it's in a very small number of businesses. The vast majority of businesses are just trying to keep their front door open. And I really don't think, John, that the owner of your coffee shop went in on Monday morning and decided, I'm going to put an extra 45 cent on every cup of coffee. Sure, I'll just do it for the hell of it because I want to make extra money so I can go to Marbella next next summer. They did it because they were forced to do it. And lots and lots of businesses are barely, barely making a profit. We've heard of business owners who they themselves aren't get, getting paid in order just to try to keep the business going. So while obviously it's stuck in your craw and you didn't enjoy your cup of coffee because you had to pay the extra 45 a cent. But, but I'm very slow to criticise small businesses who really, really are struggling at the moment. But somebody else is saying when it's the cost of living we're talking about, we should be talking about the cost of surviving when because everything has gone up in price. And that's exactly what the owner of that coffee shop will tell you as well. Literally everything has gone up in price. Um, and then thank you to Sandy from the Animal Welfare Group Roar in West Cork who do the most amazing work particularly with trying to neuter 
uh, cats uh, in the West Cork area. They, they do incredible work. And, and Sandy has been on. When I had Martine on the phone line earlier, whose poor dog died on Sunday from heat stroke, and you could hear how upset she was, unfortunately. Phone line left, let us down, so I had to, to relay, relay the story myself. But Martine also wanted to put a shout out that they had kittens and they're desperately trying to find good homes for the kittens. Sandy was on to say just a word to Martina with the kittens. You never, ever, ever should publicly offer kittens for free. Sandy says there are very evil people out there who are looking to take kittens to use them as fighting dog bait. More importantly, Sandy says, tell Martina to please get her cat neutered. She'll be pregnant again in a few months time if she doesn't, which is a good words of uh, advice. And you are right, but I'm assuming that Martina would only pass a kitten on to somebody that she knows and genuinely wants uh, a kitten because you do, you you are right. There are very, very evil people out there. Thank you for your text to 0862 Serendipity Childcare there on West End in Mallow. They're looking for an early years educator. You need to have QQI level six for 30 hours fixed term contract. CVs please to Bridget Griffin 4 at gmail.com. 360 degree excavator drivers are wanted. It's for a new project in Kildallery. CVs please to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Bantier Community Childcare, they're looking for early years educators with full and part-time positions. Email CVs to mary at bantierchildcare.ie. Closing date is the 29th of July. And a teleporter driver and carpenters are wanted for work in Cork City. Call 87 655 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, a young Cork teenager who has been working as a full-time lifeguard on one of Cork's most popular beaches had her mo- the motorbike that she uses to get her to and from work stolen from outside the family home at the weekend. Now, the motorbike has been located, but unfortunately, it's, it has been very, very badly damaged. Her mother, Jagita Petu, uh, joins me just to fill us in on the uh, story. Good morning to you, Jagita. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and and you're welcome to the programme. And this is very, very unfortunate what has happened to your your lovely uh, daughter. I suppose, start at the beginning, you actually have CCTV footage at your house. So you were able to see what happened. Describe what happened. Um, So let's start from the beginning. I wasn't at home yesterday, and I received Amelia's call crying, and I couldn't understand what she's saying at all because she was saying that the bike is gone. Um, it didn't make a sense. And then when I looked at cameras, I realized that it is it is gone. So we have a CCTV cameras. I checked and I saw two young guys taking it. It was, I think, 12 past 2 a.m. It took just a few minutes to take it. So they knew what they were doing. She, she did have a chain or something on it. Did she have a lock on it? Uh, normally she would. Not this night. Ah, okay. So they wheeled the bike away. Yeah, but they broke a lock. So um, because you can see, because they, like they, it was easy. They didn't lift it. It's heavy bike. Just so what type of a bike is it? Um, 
Bellini. I think it's Did Bellini you... 250. Okay, it's it's a 250cc bike. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and so so you see these youths wheeling the bike uh, away. Yeah. And the you, uh, and Amelia your daughter saved up and purchased this motorbike herself. Yeah, she did. Uh, she's working since 16. She's a very independent girl. She was in school, in secondary school, and she was working at the same time, so she was saving. She bought it completely with her own money, and she was very proud of it. And, yeah, it's gone. She had it just for two months. She bought it at the end of May, and, um, yeah, she used it just for a few months. And get, and you live in as a Grange in Douglas is where you live. Yeah, yeah, Grange and, Douglas. And she has a job uh, for the summer in down in Gary Vaux. In Gary Vaux, yeah. So she needed the bike to get her to and from Gary Vaux, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that oh. was her transport to and from work. Okay, you sub you reported it to the Gardaí, I take it straight away, did you? Straight away, yeah. And what did they say to you? They will be investigating. Now then you we send them a video as well, no. and um, I, Amelia should send the second video from TikTok, what we found tonight. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. So I hope that will help. 
Now, this is this is the video on TikTok I've actually seen uh, as well. When did the video on TikTok go up? Uh, last night. I'm not sure when exactly because it was removed straight away, but somebody saw it because we posted on um, social media and after people are sharing. And actually, that's how we found the bike. Somebody texted me saying that uh, he saw young guys bringing to the field in Bishop's Avenue. And uh, Amelia took a few friends and they went and they found that bike. And the picture, what went up on TikTok was the video of two, what looked, they look like young guys driving up and down on Amelia's bike. And then you see Mm -hmm. them literally burning out the engine of the bike. I mean, just senseless, absolutely senseless what they've done to her bike. It's for fun and to to damage it. And then they just left it in a field. They left it in a field. I don't know what condition exactly it is. We need to, some experts to look at it. But as I saw, I'm looking, I think probably the engine will be burned out. Oh, I'd say definitely and the engine is burned out for sure. Yeah, for, yeah. For because sure. you, saw, you saw that yourself. I did, yeah. I saw TikTok, the video. I saw the TikTok at, video. But if you look at other TikTok videos, they're not hiding. I think everyone knows who they are because it's a lot of videos doing the same thing in the same area. Uh, you've sent, you've given, have have the Gardaí got that TikTok video as well? Emilia's supposed to send, send it to, today. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it, it really is, it's it's beyond shocking. I mean, the, and, and again, early hours of the morning, those young fellas should have been at home. They shouldn't have been, you know, we're back to parental, I don't know what age they are, but they, they look young enough, but you'd be thinking parental responsibility and all of that. And is it, how is Emilia? Is she, is she very upset about it, Jagita? She was very upset yesterday, um, but she, she she's fine now. She was happy to get it back, even if we don't know whether it'll be you know fixable or not. But she's better now. Is she? Is she? And she's hard. She's she's heartbroken because that was her her baby. She bought it herself. She was working very hard to buy it. And I think those kind of motorbikes don't come cheap as well. And then there's insurance and everything, isn't there? She has a third-party insurance because the full insurance would cost more than her bike. Oh, so, so, you know, for somebody who just got a driving license, insurance is crazy expensive, so she got just third-party and that doesn't cover. So it won't cover the cost of, of no. replacing it. How long has she been a lifeguard? So she's a, she was a pool lifeguard in Brooklyn Leisure Centre for a while. For a year, probably, and then she got um, she just passed beach lifeguard this year, and she got a job in Grivos. So it's first year on the beach. It's a great skill to have. It really, it, and, and I assume she loves her job, does she? She loves, yeah. Does she? she? Loves. And is she finished in school? Is she finished secondary school, or she finished secondary school and she skipped a year? So we'll see what she's going to do in September. She but she skipped a year because she wanted to do a beach lifeguard and swim teachers as well yeah so she's very sporty girl okay alright I saw yeah and I saw a lovely picture of her up on on, on Cork Bio she's a, a she's a beautiful beautiful uh, young girl as well uh, listen it is truly shocking if anybody has any information that could lead to whoever is responsible for, for the damage done to Amelia's bike and I'm told the tyres are flat and it's just yeah. it's dreadful there's just there's, it's just 
anti-social behaviour at, at it off the Richter scale. It's just off the Richter scale. Pass on our best wishes to Amelia Jurgita and uh, thanks so much for sharing the story with us. Thank you very much. Good morning Thank to you. you. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's just shocking. Shocking, shocking, shocking. That uh, somebody's saying, where can we see the TikTok video? You can't. It has subsequently been taken down. And hopefully now, if the TikTok video can be passed on to the guard, they, they may be able to trace the people responsible because you now we don't know for sure, but you would assume that the two guys who took the bike that spotted on Jurgita CCTV at 12 minutes past two in the morning, you assume that they're the same two guys that you see going up and down, up and down on the bike, on the road. And that was fine. They weren't doing, well, it was irresponsible what they were doing, the speed of which they were driving, even though, can I say, they were both wearing helmets. So they were aware of the, they needed to keep themselves safe on the bike. That kind of, that crossed my mind when I saw it. But then to see them take it into the field and deliberately damage the bike so that when, so that when, Emilia got it back you know it's going to lead I don't even know if it's fixable because they, it definitely looked like the engine was completely burned out and the, and the tyres um, I don't know if the tyres were slashed or not but just senseless absolutely senseless the mind boggles for sure 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We were speaking about the school bus uh, tickets earlier on in the programme when I was joined by uh, Sean Sherlock. Somebody says, Hi Patricia, is there a problem with the bus air and school transport login portal? I cannot seem to log uh, in. I assume because the Norma Foley announced just before the doll recess that everyone is going to be free on the school bus this year, that's everyone that's entitled to a ticket, is going to be free on the school bus and people who are paid, obviously their money will be returned to them. I assume because of that, the, the portal is probably down at the moment while they're work, working out as they're to put obviously a different system in place now for the portal. But as anybody else, let's put a shout out to others listening who may have used the bus air and school transport log in portal. Has anybody been able to use it since that announcement was made over the last few days or is it just a problem maybe there's too many you know the way sometimes when there's too many people using a portal there can be a problem and it can go down so if anybody can uh, fill us in on that please and we can pass on the information to our listener 0818 103 103 now for the first time in thousands of years bison will roam wild in the English countryside thanks to Cork's Photo Wildlife Park to find out more about this project I'm joined by Photo Wildlife Park Director and that is Sean McKeown. Good morning to you Sean. Morning Patricia, and how are you? Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very well thank you and you're welcome to the programme. And now these bison were born and raised in Fota and, uh, Eng- and, 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 and then sent on to England but I believe England isn't the first country that you've sent them to. No, um, initially obviously we got our bison, European bison back in the late 1990s and they came from um, Sweden and um, Germany. So uh, they had names like um, Erica and uh, uh, it, it's um, they they were very important founding animals for the, the herd here at Vota. But um, we've since um, I think it was 2008 we started sending 
uh, European bison from photo back to reintroduction programs. Um, to the first ones were to Poland, so we sent a male and two females there. Uh, and we, since then, we in 2014 we sent animals to Romania, uh, to Spain, um, and then later on this year we'll be sending a female to Berlin. But on it's going an onward shipment from Berlin then to Azerbaijan. Uh, they're forming a small herd in Berlin before they ship them to Azerbaijan. So it's it's uh, it's been a busy few years with with uh, European bison and uh, rewilding them uh, in various countries. Fantastic! It really is fantastic. And the ones that you have sent on to other countries, how are they getting on? Very well. I, I managed to visit the ones in Romania in 2018. It was part of a TV Virgin Media um, TV documentary. And uh, they had adapted extremely well. I mean, it was uh, when we visited in February. Um, it was quite cold, and um, the, 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 they had adjusted really well. I mean, it was minus ten, minus twelve degrees, and they still they they um, they were doing extremely well. The, the numbers had grown from about eight or ten animals uh, in those four years to 32. Goodness. Uh, and, and they were living in an area of, um, it's called the Southern Carpathian Mountains, and they've got bears there, they've got wolves and uh, lynx, so they were able to adapt very well, very well to, to the wild. Okay, uh, talk to me a bit about what the history of the European uh, bison. Are, are they endangered and, and, and what, what happened to them? Um, they became extinct. They became extinct in the wild about a hundred years ago, uh, about uh, nineteen, the early nineteen twenties. And lucky enough, they survived um, through the Second World War, uh, mainly because um, the um, the Third Reich or the, the the Nazi government were interested in recreating the European auric or wild cattle, uh, and what they were trying to use. They were trying to use. Um, rare breeds of domestic cattle and then crossbreeding with uh, the European bison. It never really worked out, but what they had done, they'd kept meticulous records and stud book uh, numbers and, uh, of European bison and where they'd come from. And from that and some remaining ones in zoos, they were able to, to form um, uh, a small captive breeding program. Uh, and that has grown gradually over the years to... Uh, um, to where there are about three or four hundred in, in zoos in Europe, uh, but interestingly, in the wild, they've been since they've been returned to the wild. There's now over uh, around fourteen, fifteen hundred uh, European bison roaming the wild in Europe. So they've gone from being extinct in the wild uh, and uh, then to being still quite endangered, uh, critically endangered in the early 60s and 70s and 80s through when this when the release programs started to produce and uh, the animals started producing in the wild they 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 went to endangered you know they actually went down to endangered then down to uh, to 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 vulnerable and uh, i think they'll they'll shortly be considered near near threatened so they are Doing really well. Doing really really yeah, well. That's brilliant. That is that is brilliant. What are the benefits to an area to have bison roaming freely? Well, I suppose bison are almost like your lawnmowers in 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 the wild. They, they what they do is they keep the forest under control, so they um, open up areas in thick forest where you have um, 
greater sunlight in. You have different tree species that are able to adapt and, 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 and come in there. So they create greater biodiversity, not only in the trees, but also in the animals and plants that are uh, in these areas. And uh, basically, the, they're almost like architects of um, their environment that they're in. And uh, even here, what we see is that they strip bark of, you know, they get fed branches and things here, when they actually peel the bark off the branches. And they do a similar thing in in, in the wild. They'll peel the bark off trees and, and kill the trees. But eventually, you know, it opens up the forest so younger and more younger trees develop and other species develop. So you, you get a much uh, more um, natural environment um, so there's not just uh, a forest planted at one stage and it grows up and it's it, it this actually it starts to to redevelop and uh, create a more natural environment um, with many more different species in 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 that uh, forest area or opened up forest area. And the ones that you sent to England this week, I believe that will still aid you to Brexit. Yep, it was, <laughs> it was supposed to happen to you a year and a half ago. Nearly it started. The whole planning started back then. Uh, Brexit delayed it, uh, COVID delayed it as well, and uh, Brexit is still delaying the mail coming from Germany into the UK, Um, so they're waiting on the, so they have three females now and they're waiting for the mail that's recommended for for reading from uh, Germany, and um, these recommendations are all made from the managed programme, which is managed by a stud book, and Somebody in in in, um, in in Scotland, in linked with the the Highland Wildlife Park. So they, um, you know, each animal and each new population set up is is is, is carefully managed, um, and there will be new uh, unrelated more more unrelated animals coming into that population over time from from Europe, uh, and possibly even some more from here. Okay, yeah, and I saw there's been some lovely uh, pictures of them on on the papers, uh, etc. I mean, they're a they're a, they're a huge animal, aren't they? The Europe's largest ma- land mammal. Oh. So, I mean, for that reason alone, having it back in Europe is a huge boost. Um, it's a huge boost for you know for tourism in these in these areas, uh, and it's a huge boost for the the natural environment. Uh, and you know, they they uh, they will make that environment much more sustainable. Um, for the future. Yeah, and they'll help with climate change as well. We've yeah. been discussing climate change on the programme, but they, they also yeah. help with, with uh, climate uh, change. Uh, well done. W- once again, uh, well done. It's uh, amazing the work that you do at uh, Fo- Photo Wildlife Park. Um, summer season, I take it, in full swing. Uh, Sean, how are the animals coping with the recent warm weather that we had? Uh, the, <laughs> the animals are coping very well with it. I suppose the bison would feel, you know, the heat, I suppose, more than any any other animal because they're just going through their molt. Um, um, normally, they would be pa- probably past that, but as long as they have plenty of water and uh, um, they they get the old odd uh, wash down, so they're they are um, they're doing. You know, most of the animals they they like the warm weather. Uh, the cheetahs here, you know, they just go into the shade, but they're they're you know they they tend to behave more. Um, sit in and, and, and relax during the shade and then um, when it comes early morning, later in the evening, they're much more active. Uh, so they adapt very quickly to it, most mm-hmm. of the animals. And uh, it's the humans probably that don't uh, <laughs> don't really 
top on as well as, as you know, to wear the, the correct clothing and, and, and sun cream, etc. to protect themselves. Yeah, so. and particularly when you're bringing children, children get so excited by a visit to a photo and all they want to do is run off and see all the animals and, and whatever. You've got to be so vigilant when it, when it comes to the, to the children. And Sean, are you busy? Uh, we we have been busier. We were okay. much busier last year, I suppose, during the sun, this particular part of the year. But um, we're hopeful that, you know, once the, the real holiday period, which is, you know, this week and, and, and right on till the last week in, in August, that things will pick up and become much busier, particularly from, you know, traffic from the UK. Uh, I would see that improving this year a lot from through the ferries, etc., that... Uh, people um, from because they can't go you know they don't want to be going from the heat of the UK to the heat of the continent it's much cooler over here I mean we it hasn't passed 24 25 degrees yesterday here and uh, uh, the you know temperatures today are just in you know late 19 20 degrees so it's it's nice and cool and nice to be out and about now today Mm, well, it's so I love to be walking around. You don't want it too hot when you're going on a day a day trip to some place like uh, Fulton. And of course, in England, I think it's only this week the children get their school holidays. They have a much shorter summer holiday than we do. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so we will see we will see an increase there. And I know we've been running ads here on the radio uh, for Photo. You've got lots of things that you get involved with in the summer for the children, different yeah. projects and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We do we do these science weekends where. Um, it's you know mad scientists um, native species weekends and uh, they're they're important and we've been very, very much involved in in, in um, some of our native species re, what we call head starter programs so one of them um, next uh, next Monday we'll be releasing five six hundred toadlets in in Kerry so Natterjack toadlets so they're um, it, that's another important program that we have been involved with uh, National Parks and Wildlife Service with this. What you breed the toads in Fulda? Well, yeah, this year we 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 actually bred them uh, because they haven't bred very well in 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 Kerry. Um, so we bred them this year in Fulda, and that's really because of climate change. So such a, a very low rainfall in the sand dune areas that they normally occur in. And uh, that meant the water levels were low. There were no no real ponding, no opportunity for them to breed. Um, so lucky, they actually one of the areas they did breed was around a cattle trough. Mm. <laughs> they were so desperate, um, and uh, they got in touch with us to actually remove the eggs. Otherwise, they'd be trampled into the ground. Um, we did that, uh, so we got four or five hundred toadlets from that, and then we managed to produce a similar number, about five, six hundred, um, that bred within the park for the first time. So well it, done. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the species that they're actually seeing um, climate changes and the effect that that's having on on the toads. Um, you know, this year, um, very, very, very much this year. So it's it's. Climate change is there and affecting it is real. species. It, it is, is real. real. It yeah. is real. And thank God for, for Photo Wildlife Park. And uh, yet again, Cork helping out Kerry yeah. this time with their, to- <laughs> with their toad population. We gladly do it for them. Listen, uh, Sean, a pleasure uh, uh, as always. And uh, uh, best of luck to Photo Wildlife Park. We hope you have a really, really busy summer. But thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. OK, 
Thank good, you very much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Sean McKeown, who is Photo Wildlife's Park Director. Hilary says, hi, Patricia. I would be the most unpolitical person you've ever met. But really, I can't wait for the next general election to hopefully get the Greens out of power. Hilary says, I feel every time that the Green Party get into power, they really, really seem to affect the wallet of the ordinary people. Ridiculous taxes that seem to be punitive against us. All these taxes and transport changes in the name of reversing climate change may be all the more tolerable if they weren't allowing the big cat developers tear into our country countryside wherever they want and at whatever cost to the local landscape and wildlife. How much more of this hypocrisy can we tolerate, says uh, Hillary, who wants a general election and is looking forward uh, to it. Politicians might be looking forward to a general election. Certainly a lot of our listeners are. Thank you for your text, uh, Hillary. OK, I need to take a break. We have news at uh, 12 midday on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can anybody help out Noreen in uh, Mahan? Her daughter is currently having a baby. Best of luck to mum and to baby. And Noreen is looking after the other other little girl in the household. However, Noreen doesn't have a playpen and she will be helping out more in the future so she needs to have a playpen that she can keep in her house. Now she said she's tried local charity shops, she's tried some stores in Cork City but nobody seems to be selling playpens. Does anybody know where Noreen can find one? A second hand one would be fine. Uh, she doesn't have a car so she can't. There's no point somebody from West Cork or North Cork or East Cork saying I know a local shop that has one or I've got one that I can gift on to her. She doesn't have a car so anybody from a different area who might like to pass one on no longer using one keep that in mind that Noreen doesn't uh, drive I was thinking when I saw your call come in Noreen I don't know in Mahan is there you know in certainly in the Mallow area there's an act of kindness page that's fantastic where people put up things that they no longer need and you know that it's, they know it's usable uh, exactly things like that like play pens buggies and things like that and then somebody who needs it and people make contact with each other and you know you, you arrange to have it collected or dropped off etc I'm wondering is there something like that in the Mahan uh, area failing that does anybody know of a play pen for sale in the Mahan area any shops uh, Noreen says she has tried but doesn't seem to be able to spot anyway, any there's got to be shops around that are selling play pens or are they very much a thing of the past I don't know 0818 103 three John Paul taking your calls now can I read an email my apologies uh, that this email came in last week but we were busy and I just didn't get around to it but it is a really good point in it and I'm wondering are others sharing the concerns that are contained in this uh, email Hi Patricia I'm getting in touch to flag a possible worry worrying change in the availability of outdoor dining here in the Cork area. Last Monday week, yesterday week, being such a lovely fine summer's day, myself and my mother, who was in her 80s, decided to enjoy some local outdoor dining. We visited both a hotel and a restaurant in our area. Now, this is in the, the city suburbs, assuming that the availability of outdoor dining would be a given at both establishments. Because of my mother's age, 
she'd been in her 80s, an ongoing vulnerability to contracting COVID-19, we continue to only dine outdoors. Now, initially, we visited a local hotel with a stunning outdoor terrace overlooking some lovely scenery. Beautiful, beautiful setting. We noticed a family at an adjacent table enjoying their lunch. We requested a lunch menu, only to be informed by a staff member that lunch was not being served outdoors, only being served indoors. I mentioned my mother's age and associated vulnerability to COVID-19 to the staff And she kindly said she'd double check with the lunch manager. As we waited for the lunch manager, we continued to observe our neighbouring customers having their lunch. The lunch manager communicated to us that indeed lunch could not be served to us on the terrace in safety and in the sunshine. The reason that she offered was apparently that the noise from from a nearby building work would be a disturbance to us. We replied that that wouldn't be a problem for us. We also drew attention to the fact that the family at a nearby table were in fact having their lunch outdoors. The lunch manager explained that they had ordered their lunch indoors and then had brought it out themselves. We replied we'd happily do the same thing. We were informed that that wasn't possible but that the indoor dining room was very quiet and that the staff would keep away from us. I reiterated our concern regarding the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and my mother's vulnerability to same. At this point, the lunch manager recommended two other local restaurants that could provide outdoor dining. We thanked her and left and assumed that the management were not willing to spare a waiter or a waitress for elderly people trying to reintegrate back into society in a safe and a practical way. While both staff members that we dealt with were most polite, we were quite shocked by this hotel management's policy regarding outdoor dining at such a critical time from in the HSC defined as extremely vulnerable category in relation to COVID-19. We went on to visit another local restaurant from the car park. I telephoned their customer service and inquired as to whether lunch was being served outdoors at their establishment. The reply was, not today. As I was within view of their outdoor dining area and could see a waitress bringing a menu to customers at a table, I passed on my observation to the staff dealing with my query over the phone. With some stuttering, he changed his mind and relayed that if we came indoors to their restaurant and requested a menu for outdoor dining, then that would be possible. We proceeded to take a seat outdoors and requested and received the lunch menu from the waitress. Again, we were most taken aback by the complications and the restrictions that this second restaurant was putting on the availability of outdoor dining. Thousands upon thousands of people who fall into within the inverted commas, extremely vulnerable category in relation to COVID-19 for a wide variety of reasons, have had extremely restricted safe options for socialising and social interaction for over two years now. They are the hidden people with hidden voices and the narrow criteria on which the hospitality industry is making decisions is somewhat inhumane, unacceptable and a reflection of how these groups of vulnerable people are being neglected within society at large. Now, we did enjoy a lovely lunch at this second location with very pleasant service and yes, we would return. However, I would be concerned that this attitude and this policy from the food service industry might be coming a trend. I understand that there are currently challenging issues regarding sufficient staff numbers within the food service industry. Many customers are also 
willing to risk indoor dining, as was very evident by the numbers of customers who were eating indoors. However, there remains and will always remain a significant proportion of society whose level of vulnerability to this life-threatening illness means that outdoor dining, socialising and social interaction are the only safe option for them. These are the groups of people who may already be marginalised by their circumstances. Should society and businesses not be more cognisant of the broader needs of all their potential customers and spare a waiter or waitress to those who are only safe outdoor dining. Patricia, I appreciate if you would kindly withhold my name if this topic is presented for discussion on your uh, show. Ah, I've taken it back because I, I, I really thought outdoor dining had become on trend almost because I certainly have seen at a lot of the coffee shops that never say did outdoor dining before and then during COVID times when we were all being pushed outside these parklets isn't that what they're called you know outside the coffee shops where you can sit and there's usually awnings and umbrellas there to shade the sun from you when the sun arrives and to keep the rain off you if the rain is falling and these seem to be coming the norm they was because certainly now that you know we've lifted a lot of our restrictions there's a lot of people who still like the idea of outdoor dining, particularly in the summer months. Might be a different story in the winter months, but certainly in the summer months. So I really am taken aback, again, in defence of the hotels and the restaurants. It probably is down to a staffing issue. I mean, I'm really taken aback to hear somebody, an establishment that was offering food, suggest to to you two other places where you could go sending your business elsewhere that really I'm really taken aback by that because I would have thought you know hospitality that has been so badly hit financially over the last number of years every single pardon the saying but every single bum they, they can get on a seat they're encouraging people to come and dine uh, with them so it is it is a bit a bit disappointing I'm wondering though is it has other have other people witnessed that or noticed that and you're right there will always be a group of people who will be very vulnerable to COVID-19 and will be very nervous about indoor dining and will like to continue with outdoor dining and outdoor socialising I know even when we're calling out you know the local bingos that are on isn't it in Kildarry? they have the option every week for people to still play bingo out in the car during COVID times when they reintroduced bingo. Everyone was playing bingo in their cars to keep everybody safe. And now they're back doing their normal bingo. But they still give people the option if you're nervous about it or you're in that vulnerable category and you don't want to go into a room, you know, with lots of other people that you can still stay in your car, which I thought was a really nice move on behalf of the organisers for Kildallery Bingo. But I don't know, as I say, is it is that widespread are a lot, will a lot of people identify with that particular story and say, yeah, I tried to do outdoor dining and they said no. It's just, yeah. Uh, certainly I've, anywhere I've been lately, I'm trying to think, haven't been out that much, but anywhere I've been, have I seen outdoor dining? I mean, I was in West Cork, I was in Clonakilty over the weekend. Certainly there was lots of outdoor dining going on, but I don't know if people were refused when they got to so many people inside and outside and was it a staffing issue and all of that. 0818-103-103. Your thoughts welcomed. And on something else that's going to affect people, Michael's picking up on, this is on the news with uh, Barry at 12 midday. Patricia, listening to your news there about the number of AIB banks that are going cashless, I think this is absolutely a bizarre decision. 
I particularly wonder about the, the decision to make the Kinsale AIB branch cashless as it's such a busy tourist town. And I've seen queues of people using the ATM there. Glad to hear that on post are getting extra businesses, extra business from the decision. But at nights and the weekends, they'll leave a lot of people with no access to cash, says Michael. And I know I was in one establishment over the weekend at a bar where people were trying to pay with cash and they were or people were trying to pay with cards and they weren't able to accept cards and that became a bit of a problem for people who were then scrambling to go and find an ATM to get cash in order to buy a drink so it, it works both it, it certainly can cause problems there are other places that insist on cards only and people have cash but I think it's worse when you get to a place that are refusing cards and people don't have the cash and if you're in a town that doesn't have many ATMs or as this sister is pointing out any of the ATMs are not available on weekends or at night time it certainly can and will cause problems 0818103103 and just to the listener who contacted us uh, who was trying to get on to the school transport portal online and was having difficulty getting through. Somebody else was on to say, Patricia, yes, there seems to be a problem with the bus Aaron portal. When I checked my emails last night, I received an email from them as my child uses the school bus to attend her secondary school. It said to book to secure my child's place after trying last night and this morning and even ringing the number at the top of the page and holding for over half an hour. I failed to get through. I'm leaving it for a minute, but fingers crossed I'll get my child a seat on the bus. So during News at 12, I took to Twitter. Twitter is great to give you the very latest news because if there are people complaining in our area are having problems accessing a service, you can be guaranteed people from all other parts of the country are. And there, I could see a number of texts in from people around the country trying to get on to the bus Aaron portal in order to book a school bus seat for their children and lots of other people were having problems. So bus Aaron had answered some of those tweets and admit they are experiencing a high level of customers on their website uh, this morning. Their IT department are aware and are working on the solution but because of the high volume of customers onto the website this morning they say it's causing the website to slow down and their advice to parents is please try again later. So I take it from that second text I got in there from the listener who got an email last night. Obviously that was a generic email that was sent out to everyone whose son or daughter has previously been on a school bus. So everyone would have got that email last night which have then led to every parent going into panic mode saying I need to secure my child's place on the bus. Hence they flood the system, flood the website and they weren't prepared for it. So hang in there. There is an issue, but the, their IT department are aware of it and are working on a solution. Try again later. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. 
And this is for tomorrow. Avenue Blackwater Partnership holding an information session entitled Everything You Want to Know About LGBTQI+. We're afraid to ask. It's at the Mercy Centre in Mallow. Uh, tomorrow morning from 11.15 to 12.15, refreshments will be provided and there will be information leaflets to take away. And as I mentioned earlier, my daughter Marsha is involved with the launch of a song, Keep On Moving, on behalf of the St. Joseph's Foundation and the Hub at the Gilbert Centre. The launch is going on at the Gate Cinema in Mallow tomorrow morning. There's a limited number of free tickets if anybody's available to go along at 11am tomorrow morning. Failing that, you'll be able to access the song through St. Joseph's Foundation YouTube account from 11.15 tomorrow. And the next draw for Kildarri Lotto, that takes place on Thursday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the community centre with a jackpot of €4,400. Tickets are on sale in the local outlets and the community office. And St. Patrick's Cemetery in Canturk, they are holding their cemetery mass on Friday, 7 o'clock in the evening. Everyone very welcome. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. A couple of suggestions in for Noreen in Mahan, who is going to be looking after the granddaughter while her daughter goes into hospital to have baby number two. And she's going to be helping out as best she can in the coming weeks and months. But she hasn't been able to get a playpen for the little one, the toddler. She's going to be looking after. She's tried charity shops. She's tried even some stores in Cork. And uh, she can't find a playpen anywhere for sale. Someone has suggested, would Noreen in Mallow consider a travel cot as a playpen? Because there's plenty of them available. Would that be an option? But then somebody else has just come in and said, Smiths have them and you can get home delivery because the problem with Noreen, she's in Maham and uh, she doesn't have a car. So Smiths toys and they do home delivery. And here's another great suggestion in from Alison in Douglas. Read the lady looking for the playpen. There are two great sources with local groups. Free cycle and trash nothing, all items free. You can post offers, offers online and wanted items. I hope that helps. Good info in good info to get out there anyway. I've given away so many things over the years. You'd be surprised at what people are happy to have. One person's trash is another person's treasure, said Alison. So disheartening when I go to the dump and I see what people just throw away. I am 100% Alison with you on that. So if Noreen wants to try that, it's called free, one is called free cycle and the other is called Trash Nothing and all the items are free. And Noreen actually could put up a post to exactly what she phoned John Paul with to say, I need a playpen and uh, put it up on either Free Cycle or Trash Nothing and she would be surprised. She may get somebody who has uh, exactly the playpen and they could might be living just down the road. Now on the weather, Jackie in Carrigal Line says, morning Patricia, we are a nation of complainers, are we not? It's either too hot or too cold or it's too wet or it's not wet enough. It makes me laugh. We are obsessed about the weather in this country. We are indeed, Jackie. Hope you're keeping well. Hi Patricia, everyone is delighted with yesterday's temperatures, but I think everyone forgot about the summer in Ireland in 2006. Who remembers the summer in Ireland in 2006? We had beautiful weather. It was hot, according to this texture, 
for about two months. But it wasn't muggy hot. The temperature was about 26 degrees. And now here we are. It's 17 degrees. There's no sunshine, only clouds. And it feels very stuffy and very humid. It does. Does anybody remember the summer? I can't remember. The summer of 2006. Somebody will remember now because in summer 2006, they might have got married or a child was born. You know the way a particular summer will stick out in your mind because something happened in your household that will always remind you of the warm, hot summer that we had that year. Was that the last really good summer we had? The summer of 2006, I wonder. Okay, a couple of other texts. Trace was listening to me talk to Jurgita about her daughter, um, Emilia, whose motorbike, after she's saving up, bless her little heart, she's a 19-year-old and the motorbike stolen and then these yokes decided to do, you know, tearing around the place and, and videoing themselves and putting it up on TikTok and they're very brave guys aren't they? and then just for the crack decided to burn out the motorbike for no reason at all you know whatever bad enough that you rob it and then you you, you steal it and then you're you're burning out the tyres by going up and down the road on it and showing off to your mates who are videotaping taping it but then just leave it in a field why do they have to do the damage that they did at the end and it's all up on the or was up in the TikTok video which has since been taken down but has been passed on to the Gardaí so hopefully they will be caught Therese says absolutely terrible to think of that young girl Amelia working so hard to save up for her little motorbike and then to use the motorbike to get her to and from work and then to have those useless I don't know if I can use that word even though I agree with you um, Therese thugs uh, in bed all day but then they can come along and steal the bike at night it really is so so sad says Therese WhatsApping 0862103103 on the environment and the farmers and what the farmers need to do and the government and in particular the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan adamant that farmers should deliver the higher end of the target for the reduction in carbon emissions of 30%. When you're on about the environment I'm just wondering says this listener how companies that are in charge of those massive lorries that are filled with cut lumber going through Mallow and indeed other towns every single day. Trees are needed so that we can breathe fresh air and trees are good for reducing carbon and and taking carbon out of the atmosphere. How are those trucks filled with cut trees getting away with all of that? But that's what's needed for the building trade. So many trees have to be cut down every year but the the idea is you cut down so many and then you plant uh, others. That's if you if you were to stop the shipment of the, the lumber and the, the cut trees, what would you do with the building trade? And God knows we know we need houses for sure. And then somebody else on the story that annoyed me when I read it on the Cork Examiner today, pitting the rural community against the urban community by saying that if the farmers don't agree to Eamon Ryan's cuts to the carbon emissions of 30% that families could be forced to abandon their second car if the agriculture sector don't step up to the higher level of carbon emissions then what will happen is that the second family car could be in the mix uh, because vehicles will have to be taken off the road to make up for the carbon emissions that the agriculture sector would would not be meeting and they, they're saying that the second family car could be taken away from families. It seems to me, says this texter, that the government are blackmailing people 
are blackmailing people. If one group won't do something, then another group is going to suffer. That's exactly what that, when I read that article on the front page of the Examiner, that's exactly how it came across to me as well. And I, I certainly was rather annoyed by it. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. When somebody sent in the text remembering the summer of 2006 and I was trying to remember, was I doing anything in 2006 that I could remember this particularly warm summer? It was seemingly warm for about two months and I was saying, did anybody remember it? And usually something happens in somebody's life that they'll always be able to remember that particular summer. And Katrina straight out, straight out the blocks with her text saying, regarding the summer of 2006, I remember it well. I was heavily pregnant with my first child and I was at my brother-in-law's wedding on the 4th of August and it was 30 degrees Celsius. I was fit to pass out outside the church. People kept asking me, are you all right? I'd say they thought I was going to go into labour. Three weeks later, my firstborn son was born. Happy days. And Katrina remembers it well. And I have to say, during any of the very warm days, watching pregnant women out and about my heart goes out to them in the warm weather it's got to be the toughest part of being pregnant when you get real extreme temperatures uh, like that so thank you for that uh, Katrina whatsapping 0862 103 103 John Paul takes your calls at 0818 103 103 and Joe Heffernan uh, joins me on what isn't a sunny afternoon as we were expecting good afternoon to you Joe Hi Patricia Has the rain arrived in Boerbury? Uh, we had a spattering this morning, but the sun is kind of trying oh, again now. Okay. I remember 1976. Okay. Um, we we had a little break in Ballybunion, and um, our son, Ken, who is currently here at the moment from the Cayman Islands with his son and Kayleigh, um, the three of them, um, they're actually having a nice tour in Killarney at the moment. But uh, 76, I'll always remember, was a brilliant summer really warm it was lovely yeah and usually something ha- you p- people remember a particular year because something mm. happened I remember uh, I don't know and she's probably listening because I know she listens on uh, line my sister's wedding I think it was 1983 and sorry Paul if I'm getting that wrong um, scorcher of a wedding for scorcher yeah. of of weather leading up to her wedding and the day of her wedding was we were yeah. all nearly melted okay and yeah but certainly we've had a short sharp little bit of summer this year but who knows there's, there's still a little over a week left in July and shall we have all of August yeah. it, it well I had better. an email from a colleague in in uh, southern France at the moment. I got it this morning. And uh, it was like, sorry, we travelled. Um, uh, no AC where <gasps> we are. And um, literally not going out in like nearly 40 degrees. Yeah, that's that's, so, that's the other side. That's a real heat wave that you don't want to be living yeah, uh, through. Yeah. And I was uh, chatting with a friend of mine in London who has to take the tube to work every morning and she said yeah. yesterday was just unreal because there's oh, no yeah. there's no air conditioning in the tube in London yeah. and while it was nearly 40 degrees in the centre of London can you imagine what it was underground? Absolutely. Not and a happy place well to be. You have the, the, the tube is usually packed. packed. 
Yeah, packed. Yeah. Okay. Now, we are today going to talk about gambling and this is because you were contacted, unfortunately, by somebody very upset about their uh, partner's uh, gambling. Yeah. There Now, I know during COVID we touched on it as well and there was reports out and addiction services were starting to see very worrying trends during COVID because people were locked indoors, people were doing so much online and online gambling is such an easy thing to do. There was a time if you wanted to have a problem with gambling, you had to physically leave your house and you had to go to the betting shop, which was only open certain hours of the day and on certain days of the week. Now, Joe, you don't even have to leave your bedroom. No, indeed. We, of course, at that time that we were talking about that, Professor Colin um, uh, O'Gara, he's the head of addiction services at St. John of God's Hospital in Dublin. And that... um, I mean, amazingly, he was saying in his report about uh, people seeking help with a gambling problem that, would you believe it, children as young as 15 um, are, are, are betting uh, via mobile phones. No, that is startling. I mean, that took me aback when I, when I read it. And, uh, I mean, the man knows facts and what he's talking about. But um, I, I, I was astounded. Um, so, yeah, the, the problem has become huge. Now, the person who rang me during the week, she said that she um, uh, woke up uh, during the night and went, uh, her partner wasn't there, uh, went out to the sitting room and um, he was online with the old gambling thing. Now, the time wasn't specified, but I kind of half picked up that it was around um, something in the region of 2 a.m. And as you said, I mean, that was an impossibility back in the day. Um, you had to go down to the, 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 the bookies and you, you brought your real money with you and you handed it in over the counter, whereas now you can do tap-tap on a phone and, um, and your money can be flying out um, through cyberspace. And you can play poker online. You can do an online version of the slot machines. You can play bingo online. You name it, and they've adapted it to online. Absolutely. I was watching the golf there at the weekend, now the Open, and um, there was this, I think it was red something or other, but this fella kept jumping around anyway, saying that it was so wonderful that you could, um, you know, that you could do all these things um uh, casino and a whole lot um, uh, online and um, I know that there's been recently uh, rumblings anyway about getting uh, gambling ads um, curtailed at least um, on, on on sports events. Yeah because so, sometimes you're sitting down watching TV and every second ad seems to be for some kind of betting online or playing bingo online and they yeah. make it seem like everybody wins but of course everybody oh, doesn't yeah. everybody doesn't win. No, indeed. I mean, um, even um, uh, uh, President Michael D recently referred to it. And um, some of the soccer clubs, I think, in England, as far as I know, I haven't been following the news on that carefully, but um, are having second thoughts about having, you know, uh, a gambling firm uh, as their sponsor and on their shorts. Yeah, because they they are aware of how how addictive gambling can be. Do you think the pandemic, because people had more time on their hands and boredom maybe played a factor? 
I think it's a huge factor, uh, Patricia. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. really do. Because um, when we're bored, we're looking for something of a bit of a distraction. Um, no, the secret or whatever the word is, the ingredient of all addictions um, is what I call the buzz. Um, whether it is um, whether it is alcohol, drugs, gambling, whatever, it's looking for the buzz. It's trying to um, uh, trying to change mood by inappropriate means. Um, now, again, you see, uh, we can't be extreme either. I mean, all alcohol is not bad, um, but for some people, it's poison. Um, uh, 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 some people will have a bet. Um, I, I had a, a few bob on the open golf. The only thing I'd ever put a bit of money on would be a golf thing. Rory? Um, hmm? Did you have your money on Rory? Well, to tell you the gospel truth now, I had my money on Cameron Smith. What did you? I oh, did. well done. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But, um, you know, and, and, and if it lasts like we weren't going to be. Yeah. We weren't going to be looking for a second mortgage. But um so you you can have a bit of fun with it too. I mean I I I I I think extreme kind of um it's the devil's work and all that um is is wrong. But a person needs to watch it. And we all need to realise that it is addictive. And I mean um uh you know uh, Declan Lynch now on the Sunday Independent would be very um, uh, hot on that. He wrote that book Tony Ten mm. with the um, with the manager um, Tony O'Reilly um, in, um, in in I think it was Gory um, uh, Post Office um, who got about three and a half years um, uh, for um, uh, stealing from the Post Office. And um, he has now reformed. Um, I've been talking with him uh, an odd time there, a phone call, uh, when, when Declan, whom I know, would have uh, did have co-written that book, Tony Ten. And, um, you know, people can, the, the, the message I'm trying to give there like, is that people can come from it. But it is an addiction. And it's addiction that can lead good people very down a very wrong road. Yeah, like and happened with Tony. Yeah, Mike and Bantry says a gambler will only ever tell you when they win money. Yeah. They'll never tell you when they lose. <laughs> and that's yeah. where that's the hidden side of it as well, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. And they'll they they'll maximize the win and they'll minimize the losses. And um this lady that rang now basically was saying like that um you know, the the credit card, the this, the that, the other thing, and uh, debts to friends, uh, etc., have gone through the roof. This has become a real problem. And the along with the finances, I mean, the relationship is being put under ferocious strain as well. So, um, uh, it, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's portrayed as fun, but it's far from fun when it gets to that point. Very yeah. far from And you, you say there are phases leading to problem gambling. Absolutely. You see, the, we get sucked in with the winning phase. Um, uh, people I've spoken to who've had a gambling problem and who are addressing it and handling it well 
would have would have uh, almost uh, clear recall of the bet when they were younger uh, that won, and it was a real big thrill to win, and um, uh, and that then uh, would you know this is a great idea, this is really good stuff. Then the second phase would be the losing phase. Now the fact that the um, the fact that all the betting, the, the the Paddy Powers and the Ladbrokes and all, the fact that they are um, um, uh, yearly uh, earnings would show vast profits uh, would indicate they win. The house wins. So the losing phase would be the second phase. And then would come uh, a kind of a, a dangerous, slippery slope uh, called the chasing phase. Chasing one's losses. Um, I'm down so much. Okay. Now, if I put so much on that um, event or whatever, um, I could get it back. But unfortunately, it doesn't win. So the chasing phase then continues with trying to get my losses back. And then comes the desperation phase. And the desperation phase then is where friends are tapped for loans. Um, uh, money is stolen. Money is stolen. Mm. Um, uh, uh, the, the important things are not paid. Um, you know, somebody looks up the uh, the mortgage payments or a letter arrives in the post or there's an email or whatever that um, that things are in arrears. That um, that maybe the other person, uh, our persons, never would never have um, uh, suspected, and um, and then that's that's trouble, and it's big trouble, and um, and when it comes to that stage, then um, one needs to seek help, and and it's good to know that there is help out there. I've spoken with many a person over the last twenty years who, A, acknowledged that they had a gambling problem, uh, which is step number one, anyway, the, the essential, the, the big step, and uh, and have addressed it and are, are doing extremely well. And, um, you know, life hasn't been better in a long, long, long time. But as with all addictions, the gambler has to admit they have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. number one. All right, listen, uh, um, always great to chat to you, Joe. Thank you for that. Continue to enjoy the visitors. And uh, thanks. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. We might do the 20 questions about gambling next week. That would be and, brilliant. And, uh, yeah. Great follow-up. Thanks for and that, I'll Joe. I'll have the Cork um, uh, mobile number. Okay. Thanks for that. Okay. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number is 086-834-8145. Just on a couple of calls and texts in on the playpen that Noreen from Mahan was looking for. Kay, Kay says, uh, young mothers today would not put a child into a playpen. Kay says her own daughter was asking her, how did Kay keep them away from certain items when they were small? Kay says, I told her we popped you into the playpen. My daughter was totally shocked with me. Younger mothers today wouldn't dream of putting a child into a playpen. That's why Noreen Man is having a problem buying for one. There are literally none for sale. Thank you for that. And Michael says, hi Patricia, how short our memories are. This is to do with the farming and the cutting of the national herd. Uh, who remembers a few short years ago? 
when some of the ministers in the current government were shouting from the housetops about doubling the national herd and Grant aiding same. Has the wolf come back to bite them? It was crazy then. I really hope that the small farmers won't be the ones who will be put in the firing line again, says uh, Michael. And Sylvester says this is talking about the weather and the warm summers, etc. Says Patricia, I still remember that summer of 2006 that a number of listeners are commenting on. Everyone was on the bridge in Phoenix in County Kerry and everybody there had been catching mackerel. It went on for about two months. Every day, everyone went away with a bucket full of mackerel. That's what I leave for today. Thanks, John Paul McNamara, for producing Mark in for Nick. Up next. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.